This is Upwell, a new podcast from Only One, featuring entrepreneurs, advocates, and leaders working to protect and restore the ocean and the planet. And I'm your host, Aaron Kinnery. Today, we have Leah Glass, who is a technical advisor of Blue Carbon for Blue Ventures, where a team works to advance community-led blue carbon projects in Madagascar and around the world. Let's dive in. Leah, it's great to see you, and I'm really excited to talk about your work with Blue Ventures. But before we dive into your work in the local communities, I wanted to start at a much higher level, and specifically your background in satellite imagery. What sparked your interest in that field initially? Hi, Aaron. Yeah, thanks so much for the invite. It's a real pleasure to be on this podcast. Uh, yeah, so my, my degree was in geophysics, a long way from the mangroves. Um, and yeah, from that, I um, did some consulting in environmental uh, remote sensing, so using satellites to map how our world was changing. Uh, and through that, I started doing some pro bono work for Blue Ventures. And yeah, I was going to take a little bit of time off my work and Blue Ventures invited me out to Madagascar um, to basically volunteer and, and, and see the, the work I've been doing for Blue Ventures using satellite imagery was, was modeling and monitoring the mangrove deforestation in Madagascar, like right at the beginning of their blue carbon journey. And yeah, so I said, well, why not? So I came right here to Madagascar where I am now. Um, that was in 2013. I was supposed to come out for three months. Uh, and 10 years later, yeah, I'm still here. Um, yeah, just seeing, seeing mangroves on the ground really sparked my passion in kind of, yeah, I guess in ocean, ocean ecology and how important these ecosystems were to both nature and people. Um, and seeing the adventures work really sparked my passion for yeah, for, for the work they do and their fishers first and community-centered approach. And I know we're catching you today while you're out in the field in Madagascar where you live. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Blue Forest Initiative there? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so for, for over 10 years now, uh, Blue Ventures has been exploring the viability of um, using climate finance to help fund uh, local management across the tropics. Um, so coastal e vegetated coastal ecosystems like mangroves um, and seagrasses, which we've got here right along the west coast of Madagascar, um, they store extraordinary amounts of carbon and are extremely efficient at taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere um, and storing it in the ecosystems, particularly in their soils. Um, and yeah, here in Madagascar, uh, local community associations um, through their work, they manage uh, both mangroves and seagrass ecosystems, and this management uh, has a has a climate impact. Uh, and Blue Ventures' idea, you know, back in yeah, twenty eleven, twenty twelve, just really when this when the science behind how carbon rich these coastal ecosystems were was just starting to emerge, um, and you know, red and the idea of carbon credits and carbon offsets have been have been around. Um, for a while by, by then, Kim Blue Ventures had this idea to try and, you know, take take that concept of climate finance and carbon offsets and, and, and implement it in the marine environment um, to help provide some sustainable financing for, for coastal communities. And I wonder if you could unpack just for the listeners a little bit more what goes into climate finance. Like, what does that look like from a market perspective? What does that look like from a local community perspective? Absolutely. Yeah, no problem at all. So, so as I said, so any... Any management, um, whether it's conservation or whether it's restoration um, of these kind of blue carbon ecosystems, particularly here, mangroves and seagrasses, um, that, has a, that has a positive impact on the climate. 
um, by either and or taking CO2 out of the atmosphere or, or preventing CO2 from being emitted to the atmosphere. So if a group like a community association of fishers um, that are managing mangroves, if they can um, quantify um, and report on the climate impact of their management activities, um, they've got the potential to use um, a kind of a, a standard. Um, there are various around. Um, the biggest known, uh, the biggest is uh, the VCS, the Verified Carbon Standard. But we work with a smaller Plan Vivo Foundation, the Plan Vivo Standard, which is really focused on focused on um, smallholder groups and kind of like community-led uh, projects. Um, so they can use this standard uh, and the methodologies provided to to quantify the climate impact. Um, and from that, they work out, okay, so how many tons of CO2 has my management um, kind of like either prevented being emitted or taken out of the atmosphere? And those numbers of tons of CO2 um, using these standards can be converted to carbon credits, uh, which can then be bought by um, companies or individuals um, looking to address their, you know, address their climate, their climate impact. So the community groups can uh, sell, sell these carbon credits um, to these groups and that finance can be used for, um, you know, for, for, for really whatever they want, for funding the, the local management, um, for sustainable development initiatives, livelihoods, education, health, um, yeah, really whatever they see fit. And what does a typical project look like in Madagascar? You know, how big is the space that's being covered? How many members of the community are involved? Uh, what goes into getting the project off the ground? So, really great question. So, um, Blue Ventures uh, partners with communities along the west coast of Madagascar, and, and they um, together they manage about one hundred and fifty thousand hectares of, of, of mangroves and hundreds of thousands of hectares of sea grasses. Uh, however, we're still in the pilot stage of our blue carbon um, initiative. Um, so the pilot project that we developed um, together with the Blunjek Association um, in the southwest of Madagascar, a project called Tahiri Hunku, um, that covers an area of about 1,300 um, uh, hectares of mangrove ecosystems within um, the MPA with which um, the Blunjek Association co-manages. Amazing. And how many folks in the community are involved? Um, so there are about, um, I think it's about 8,000 um, within, within Tahiri Hunku, um, covered across uh, 10 villages. That's incredible. And how does the team monitor the carbon that's sequestered within these ecosystems? So, yeah, this is where it gets challenging. Um, uh, definitely. So when together with the communities, we started this journey um, 12, 13 years ago, our uh, Blue carbon science was really in its infancy um, and we really had to kind of, I guess, create the will. Um, and through that, we learned a lot um, and we've particularly tried to refine, you know, when is good enough um, for climate finance to be a viable option for coastal communities. Uh, it needs to be pragmatic. Um, in the, 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 the removals and the emission, avoided emissions, they need to be robust um, if they're to be used to offset other people's emissions. Um, but the monitoring and the verification, it needs to be pragmatic in a way that is accessible to, to, to the people that are doing the management. Um, and that's something that we've put a huge amount of work in um, over the last decade or so, um, trying to work out you know, exactly what is needed and what isn't needed. The measurement of carbon in forests, is, it's not rocket science. It's really kind of getting out and measuring the trees. How big are they? How wide are they? 
um, how many are there. Um, but translating that information into carbon numbers is where it gets a little bit complicated. So we really worked on kind of developing tools um, that takes measurements that are easily done by anybody in the field with a tape measure um, uh, into, yeah, and allowing, allowing those people to, to, to take those numbers and calculate carbon stocks from those numbers. Um, but obviously those field measurements, they're only, a, you know, they're, they're, they're a sample of the full area. So in order to calculate the, the full climate impact of local management, those measurements need to be scaled up um, over the entire area that the, that the communities are managing. Um, and for that, we use remote sensing. Um, and that's another area that we've, we've found, we've put a lot of time and effort into, and obviously it's my passion, um, but this you know, remote sensing is not something that's traditionally accessible um, by kind of small-scale fishers, um, uh, particularly here in Madagascar, due to a lack of technology and lack of accessibility. So we've been trying to develop tools um, that, that really streamline the process, and we're in the process of, of developing an app called Gem that enables um, a person to basically kind of draw uh, a polygon on an app around an area of mangroves uh, and put in a few simple parameters and from that calculate the kind of areas of change you know how how are their mangroves and how are their yeah how are their mangroves changing over time um and you know how many how many are there in that area um and using that data um it becomes possible to calculate the full climate impact of local management that's awesome. It really integrates some of your earlier work. Um, I wanted to continue the conversation around the critical importance of community engagement because it's one thing that our team has always really appreciated about Blue Ventures. It's just how closely you work with the community partners to design the projects. And I wonder if there was an insight or a lesson you learned from community members when you were co-designing the projects that maybe challenged or changed some of your earlier thinking before you went out into the field. Um, I think, yes, yeah, Chief, what have I learned? I think... That, I mean, the key takeaway has to be, you know, when you know, communities are best placed to manage the resources, they're at their front door. Um, you know, when, when they have the, the agency and the capacity um, to manage their marine sources, marine resources, they must play a key role um, in, in, in protecting our coastlines. Uh, and this really definitely varies depending on country. Um, but for instance, here in Madagascar, a lot of the communities work, we work with are very remote. They're, they're a long way from any kind of um, government authorities or support networks. Uh, and yeah, they really, basically, the, the management is left up to them. Um, and I think the other really important thing to remember is that these communities, they entirely, you know, they rely on these marine ecosystems for um, both food and financial security. So... Um, they really, they must play a leading role in the management of them. I want to unpack that a little bit um, as well. So when you're first selecting a community, how do you identify a community you want to engage and who are sort of the first few folks you're speaking with when you go out? Is it is it like a, a local town or tribe leader? Um, is there sort of, a, is the fishery, the fishery community? Um, who are you sort of focusing in on when you first participate in a community? I think, I would prefer to kind of switch it around and say that, you know, we we give communities the space to, to choose us, I guess. Um, so we start with trying to get an understanding of, of, of how a community functions. Um, you know, what's the hierarchy? Um, who's there? Who's not, not there? And from there, we can kind of get an understanding of who we need to speak to. Um, here in Madagascar, that's normally the traditional leaders of the village. 
uh, and also any kind of like local government authorities. And from there, we kind of, yeah, I guess we, we explain what, what we do, um, uh, try and learn as much as we can uh, about, about them and their lives, the opportunities they're facing, the challenges they're facing. And yeah, really kind of basically just start a discussion. I think our approach is underpinned by listening. Everything starts with listening. Uh, and yeah, once you've kind of got that understanding and they understand who we are, what we do and what we don't do, because I think that's, you know, one of the, the, the challenges that I've certainly faced um, over my career with Blue Ventures is the array of challenges that often face communities living on the front line of, of, of climate breakdown. But, you know, as a, we're, a, we're a marine conservation organisation, we're focused on fisheries management. Um, so we need to be very clear about, you know, what we can and can't help with and be very honest about that from, from the start to, like, not, you know, unnecessarily raise expectations because every partnership is based on trust um, and it's essential to build that trust right from the start. What are some of those challenges that you're seeing on the ground as communities continue to grapple with the climate crisis? I think the main challenge is a lack of options. Uh, you know, the, the, marines, the marine resources, fisheries, mangroves, communities rely on these. Um, you know, they're the cornerstone of, 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 of adaptation um, as that natural barrier between villages and you know, rising seas, increasing storms. Uh, you know, they form a, re- a really critical coastal defence for hundreds of millions of people. And yes, when, when these ecosystems are lost, it's these people that are impacted the most. Uh, however, in, you know, in some situations, you know, people have no, no choice but to overexploit the ecosystems that they are depending on um, so much for, you know, for both climate adaptation, but also for food security and financial security. So I think, yeah, that, that, that really for me is, 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 is the key challenge, broad challenge that I've seen um, in my work here and, and other parts of the, the tropics. And knowing that these ecosystems are so critically interconnected, you know, what happens with mangroves, which serve as a nursery for the oceans and provide coastal resiliency, will also impact, impact fisheries and the local community as well. How much do you engage sort of across range of uh, various stakeholders. So I'm thinking like, are the fisheries working in tandem with the communities that are actively engaged in the mangrove protection? Yes, absolutely. I think this, this kind of goes across multiple levels as well. It certainly goes across the, the, the ecological level. So in order to be able to sustainably manage their resources, communities need to know what's going on. Data is power. Um, and in order to do that, they, they need to monitor. We've spoken a little bit about um, what's associated with one, with monitoring mangroves? What counts for climate finance is also like very relevant to to, to local management as well. Um, and fisheries, obviously, fisheries management is 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 key. So understanding that kind of you know that ecological piece from both a, a you know a forestry perspective and also a fisheries perspective is definitely is definitely key. Uh, socially as well, in on the ground, ensuring that that everybody is involved in this in decision making. And the designing of the of the management plans that underpin um, locally managed marine areas. That's really key to ensure that one nobody is negatively impacted, particularly more vulnerable groups or marginalised groups. Um, and two, to ensure that, that that the management is sustainable and that that there is full buy-in across the social level. Um, but I think the other the key piece as well is you know is that policy angle. Marine marine resources, particularly mangroves, for instance, on the interface between land and ocean. Um, are in quite a complex policy scenario. In many countries, they're 
some components are managed by, you know, the, the, what was often the Ministry of Forestry, Ministry of Environment. Um, and then there's obviously a component that's managed by the, 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 the marine or fisheries ministries as well. Uh, and this, yeah, this creates what is often a very complex policy policy situation um, in marine environments. And in order to be able for communities to be able to effectively and equitably manage their resources, they need to have clear tenure. They need to have clear management rights. And when this policy um, framework is complicated, it can be more complicated for one to be able to sustainably manage their resources by securing the necessary management rights or tenure. So, Leah, I just wanted to look forward at some of the sort of broader trends in the space and also some thinking around future initiatives. Um, and the first one's really a big question. As you think about scaling this work, I know there's a lot of interest in financial capitals around the world to address the climate crisis and the tunes of gigatons of carbon and investing billions of dollars in capital into, I mean, what they would consider sort of investable solutions. But then there's the very real challenges of developing these projects with local communities on the ground. And there definitely seems, from at least what we've seen, to be a gap between uh, those two sides. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about maybe some of the considerations or key elements that you think are needed uh, to really bridge that gap and to help ensure that uh, we are able to channel some of this interest and investment into supporting nature-based solutions and the communities that are managing them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it would be amazing to see most of this um, investment that we're seeing flooding into the space, um, heading to, to where it's really deserved and where it's really needed um, on the ground. But yeah, I think, I think there's, the, the, there's several things to be done. Uh, linking back to that policy piece, ensuring that the people that are best placed to lead and are also most closely impacted by blue carbon initiatives um, and climate pilot initiatives in the, in the ocean space to ensure that they have um, legal and policy pathways in order to at best lead the project. And we believe that coastal communities should be leading these projects. Um, but, but where that is not possible, they must have a, a real place at the table um, and be able to, to, to take an equitable um, leadership role in these in, in in these projects. So I think that that policy piece I think is is really important. There's also the technical side. You know, a lot of progress has been made um, regarding the the science behind BC and showing the importance of these ecosystems and how much um, carbon they store. But the monitoring and reporting um, and in the carbon world, what we call verification, that's associated with the standards that enable people to access climate finance. Uh, they do remain um, quite complicated and expensive. Um, and we're really, one of the things that we're really focusing on within Blue Ventures is we're working closely with Plan Vivo to try and develop methodologies which are both pragmatic and robust. Um, so they're accessible to, to, to the people that need to use them, but they also result in, you know, in good conservative science coming out of them. So I think, I think that's another piece. One of the other key challenges is, is from the social perspective, uh, you know, marine ecosystems and particularly blue carbon ecosystems, they're, they're common pool resources um, that people across coastlines depend on for both food and for income. Uh, and the the potential for blue carbon projects to give a real return on an investment, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing, as you say, this, this, this rush of investors into the space. Um, and the demand is currently significantly outweighing supply. Um, with everyone looking for quote-unquote these market-ready ready projects, they take time to develop. 
um, properly in an equitable uh, and sustainable empowerment way. Um, and pressure from the investment sector, really, you know, I am seeing this definitely showing the potential to place coastal communities at risk of being pressured into inequitable deals, um, especially where their, where their land tenure is, is unclear. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that we need to work on um, across the sector um, as kind of blue carbon develops over the next um, few years is we must ensure that the necessary safeguards um, are put in place to ensure that projects are developed in a fair and equitable manner. And the best way for that to be done is for, um, for, for coastal communities to be in the driving seat and leading these projects. I just have a, one last question, and you touched on it a little bit uh, when you mentioned the work you're doing with Plan Vivo. But how do partnerships play a role in scaling your impact? And I know you, you do a lot of work with some larger coalitions and other organizations to share some of the lessons that you've learned on the ground. Um, but how do you sort of view that partnership and collaboration space as a way to scale some of the models that you've seen work so well and, and to really scale your reach around the world? Absolutely. The one thing that, that, that we've learned over over the last we've been going for 20 years now um is the power of partnerships and partnerships are absolutely central to 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 how um we scale our work um we've realized kind of like the the inefficiency uh of trying to be everywhere and doing everything um and recognizing particularly the 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 agility and the effectiveness of, of grassroots organizations, whether they're local NGOs, whether they're, um, whether they're community groups themselves, um, that are present. You know, presence is key to, to sustainable management anywhere in the world. Um, and it's groups that are, that are, that are present and listening, uh, are working on the ground that are most effective. So key to our scaling strategy is, is not Leventures doing everything everywhere. Um, but rather kind of building a coalition of, of values aligned uh, partners that, um, that, are, that are present on the ground and, and listening to them, understanding what kind of barriers they're facing. Is it technical? Is it financial? Uh, and where necessary, kind of leveraging our reputation within the marine sector and our power for financing to help channel finance towards these groups um, and also providing technical support um, as, you know, as required by them. Um, and I think the other key barrier for us really is is in that policy and advocacy space. Um, we're yeah we're members of the Transform Bottom Trawling um, Coalition, um, which is really looking to kind of address the inequities and the tragedies associated with the uh, bottom trawling on the small scale fishes that rely on fisheries, um, but also on the on 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 our ocean ecosystems as well. Um, so yeah, so the power of partnerships to to kind of. Uh, to be change makers is, is, is definitely essential to our strategy. Well, thank you so much, Leah. I know that there's a lot of hope and excitement about blue carbon and nature-based solutions. And I really appreciate you sharing the insights on the work that goes into building these projects and the fact that you continue to do this work every day with your community partners. Uh, so really appreciate you again, sharing all your insights and look forward to continuing to work together. It's been a real pleasure, Aaron. Thanks so much again for the invite. Thank you, Leah, for sharing such incredible insights on the vital importance of community engagement and ownership for nature-based solutions. I'll leave links to where you can find Leah and Blue Ventures in the show notes, which you can find at only.one forward slash upwell. Once again, that's only.one forward slash upwell. This week's episode was engineered by Jake Bowles. Research was supported by Ben Woolman and Anaya Harrison, and our cover art was designed by Joanna Marcus at Only One. 
Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and start your journey to help save the ocean and fix the climate today at only.one. For as little as $9, you can start planting coral and mangroves and removing plastics and carbon. Again, that's www.only.one. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next week with an all new episode of Upwell.